0: Welcome back to the Beyond the Pitch podcast, season one, episode—I don't even know—seventeen. Maybe I kind of lost count. We haven't been—we haven't been around for a few weeks, uh, so welcome back, everybody. I Apologize for for not being here. I was—I was ill. I recommend getting the flu jab if you'd ever had one, because uh, I certainly regret not getting one. I felt like I got hit by a truck, um, and and many of the truck, many many a truck. Uh, so let's jump into the things and, and what better way to make me feel better than talking about the downfall of Man United. Look, yesterday's game, West Ham, um, I watched part of it. And if you were, if you joined me for the F1 stream, we were watching a little bit of it, but just as the F1 started off and I've never seen a team with such good forward option. Well, all right, yeah, I know we're, we're missing a proper striker, right? And Veghorst isn't the man. He, he's no Ronaldo, right? But you've got Anthony starting. You've got Rashford starting. He was just having the season of his life. Um, and you've got Martial as a bench option. And they could manage to hit the target, like, less than a handful of times. And it made no sense to me that both Anthony and Rashford off their strongest uh, feet were unable to hit the target Um, and it was poor really and look we'll we'll chat about David De Gea's mistake shortly but let's not let it sit on that in its entirety okay there was a lot of errors from the rest of the team Um, you know we lost the midfield battle against uh, Declan Rice basically I I presumed that Casemiro would become out stronger on that and at points he did um but Declan Rice looked phenomenal yesterday he performed really well and West Ham needed 3 points they were the ones that needed it more than us and they came out and they showed that uh it was it was it was very very clear um which team came out with more with more passion and more drive and that was West Ham uh they are now safe pretty much well they are safe uh 37 points will keep them out of relegation um and they're likely probably to pick up another couple of points before the end of the season. So, for West Ham, great result. Um, look, it wasn't the cleanest of goals. Uh, and no matter which fan you were, uh, away or home, you probably would have liked something a bit more exciting. Um, you see, the only, I've got this massive water bottle. For, for listeners at home, i got a new massive water bottle from my birthday last week. And the only issue about it is you can't drink from it quite as quickly as you can with a... Um, like a glass, so you have to bear with me if there's a if there's a momentary pause. Um, okay, right, let's let's just get on to the topic of conversation here with David de Gea, the mistake he made. If you watch it back, um, we're going to start with defending him, and then we're gonna, then we're going to go into him a little bit. If you watch it back, he does slip with his left foot as he goes for the dive which I guess prevents him from getting down as quickly. But then if you continue to watch the clip, he gets a full right hand on the ball um, and he just doesn't hold it strong enough, basically, and it allows the ball to, to 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 hit his hand and sort of bounce over him. And there's no there's no bounce before he, he saves it. There's no weird deflection. Uh, the ball goes through three def- Man United defenders who all had a great opportunity to try and um, uh, take the ball off Ben Rama, who manages to get not the world's best shot off. Look, it's powerful and it's on target. It's more than Manny United could do in that game. Uh, but David de Gea failed to make a simple save. It's, you know, it's as basic as that. It was a simple save. And uh, it was embarrassing, really. And, he, you know, he's on the talks of signing a new contract. And... This is going to put a big stint in those conversations. Right, do I believe that that mistake loses David De Gea his contract opportunity? No, not at all. Eric Ten Hag has come out and said like, he wants David De Gea. I want David De Gea as a Man United fan. I think a lot of other Man United fans think that he is the best option out there. David De Gea gets a lot of hate from the media, a lot of hate from the British media uh, and Twitter love going in on him, uh, which I don't understand. He's in the race for the Golden Glove. Uh, he's made 15 uh clean sheets this season in the premier league um he's made okay a couple of blunders he had that awful one with with his feet against who was that against i can't remember i can't remember i don't know why i keep yawning as well it's not very professional is it um I was meant to have a coffee before we started uh, and now the talk of um david De Gea... Uh, underperforming is making me both um, just my brain not wanting to function. So let me, I'm trying to have a think and if if anyone's in the chat can remind me, what was that game where David De Gea mucked up with his feet and it was a horrific goal? Oh man, I can't remember. But the point is, this isn't going to affect David De Gea's contract opportunities. Now, we know that he's going to take a salary cut because he's one of the highest paid at the clubs, at the club at the moment, he's on like three hundred and something a week. Uh, I think he's on. I think he's on like three hundred k a week. Bruno Fernandes is our mo- like our highest paid. He's like three fifty, I think, because Ronaldo was on like five hundred k a week. I'm pretty sure Bruno and Rash. Well, Bruno's on like three fifty k or something insane. Uh, and uh, David de Gea is also on about three hundred k. And that needs to come down. Look, he's a world-class goalie, in my opinion. Uh, but at his age, I don't think... And he for making mistakes like that, he doesn't deserve to be on 300k. Bring him down to like 200k. I think that's a lot. Look, even 150 is a hell of a lot of money. Um, but that'll be a part of the conversations. Look, I imagine the contract will probably be two years, a two-year extension with maybe the option for a third year, but I would expect that third year, um, he would become second choice goalie at that point. He could definitely start in goalie and he could play every single game for us next season. I have no doubt in my mind that David De Gea can play every game next season for Man United. Um, and do I believe, uh, Dean Henderson hasn't way back into the club? No, no chance. Dean Henderson is a good goalie and he's a starting goalie. Uh, is he injured at the moment? Because I know, obviously, he's not playing for Forest. So, um, where would Dean play? Dean would start and play at West Ham. But Fabianski is is perfectly fine there. Um, maybe Palace or... It's kind of hard. Look, a lot of goalies in the Premier League right now are very settled. And I don't see much changing. Um... I was going to say Meslier at Leeds should maybe drop out. If Leeds stay up, Henderson could start at Leeds. But Meslier is like quite good. He's reasonably consistent for the club. But where is Dean Henderson going to find find an opportunity to fit in as a starting goalie? Um, Leicester, probably. I think he'd start at Leicester um, ever since they got rid of Schmeichel Uh which I always thought was a weird sale in itself. Uh, Leicester have struggled. I mean, obviously Leicester have struggled this year and we're going to talk about their relegation battle shortly. But uh, I think Dean Henson would start at Leicester and and maybe that's an an opportunity that he can pursue. But he's certainly not getting into Man United, not for the next year or at least two seasons, I'd say. Uh, David De Gea, perfectly good enough for me next season. Still good enough to take us title hopes, um, whether that's Europa League, Champions League, we're probably not going to win the prem next year as much as I'd like us to. Um, but I think he is the man for the job at Man United and he'll continue to do that uh, and perform at that top level. Yes, he had a, a bit of a blunder yesterday. I think it's just brought attention to a bit more than um, than a lot of other goalies. One, because we're Man United. All right? We are the biggest club in the world. Uh, two, because the, for- the press love going in on foreign players, that's just is how it is, and um, it's, a good, it's a good talking opportunity, people, you know, media will know it, get clicks, on. I've, I've I, you know, it'll be probably in the title of my podcast, so I'm, I'm to blame as well, um, but I just know that it, it means more people will listen, uh, and speaking of listening, make sure you hit that follow button, if you're listening back to the podcast, uh, this should come out today, uh this is monday monday 8th so it should come out in the evening monday 8th uh if not first thing tuesday um make sure you hit that subscribe button if you're listening to the podcast follow the twitch because you can watch me live uh, you can see my lovely face you can interact with me in the chat like many people do uh I can talk about your opinions and we do watch alongs and sometimes we have guests we had a great guest for the man united brighton fa cup semi-final um we get guests on the podcast we've got one coming out very shortly so make sure you follow, you subscribe wherever you're listening or watching, uh, and you'll never, you'll never miss a, an episode. And of course, check out all the social media link below: the Instagram, the Twitter, and the TikTok. Uh, and you'll see everything. You'll see everything going on here at beyond the pitch, um, and you won't miss out on a single, single, single thing. Right. Backup option for Man United. Butland is going to be leaving this summer, by the sounds of it. So United need to look for a, uh, a second option. We used to have um, a fantastic backup option whose name temporarily slipped my mind, which is really embarrassing because I was a huge, huge fan of him. Uh, and I'm just going to look up uh, United goalies past um, because I can't even remember his name. Why can't I remember his name? This is really bad. Let's have a look. Manchester United, record of goalkeepers, transfer market. Oh, okay. All right. Shout out to whatever website this is. But the point is, I think we need a goalie that can play Europa League for us. Um, Sergio Romero, that's his name. Uh, Romero is brilliant. He played a lot of our Europa League games. Um, And... He was a really, really good op, good option, backup option. And I felt comfortable with him. Same with Dean Henderson, to be fair. But I do think Dean Henderson is good enough to be starting at a different Premier League club. So, uh, we're going to have to go on the hunt in the summer and find someone, pick someone up. Let's be fair. I take someone like Meslier or um, who's another good goalie that, it, that deserves better. No one really. I mean, Jose Sarr, we looked at originally from Wolves, but uh, I don't think don't see him leaving Wolves. There wouldn't be a need to. He wouldn't start at Man United, and he start he would start every single week at Wolves. So that's not an option for us anymore. Um, other options in the summer. Look, Oshman is not going to leave Napoli. We've heard this. It's pretty much been confirmed by Napoli president. Uh, Oshman is not leaving Napoli in the summer. That's what he said. He said he's not for sale. uh, 100% won't leave. Look, money talks, all right? If we go to Napoli and go, all right, well, how about 130 million? Okay, they might reconsider at that point. I don't think Oshman is worth 130 million. I think he's worth about 85. uh, But we know how Man United are in terms of communicating and negotiating contracts, etc., etc., so I imagine us to play at least 100 million if we wanted Oshman. Uh, but I don't think he's going to leave this summer. You know, Napoli won the league. Um, they did really well in Europe. Uh, I just think, is it, is it the time for Oshman to leave? He's still so young. He could get another title with Napoli. I don't know. There's, there's Look, Man United is definitely an interest to him. Um but we're going to have to pay a lot of money if we want him. So who is the other option? We, you know, we've you just spoken about how Man United failed to get, even get a goal past West Ham, who were a relegation side before yesterday. Um, and who is going to be that man? Like Martial, long term, is not going to be that person, unfortunately. I'd love him to be. I'd absolutely love Martial to be the long term option for Man United. I'm a big, big fan of him. but That's just not going to happen. Uh, he's, he's too injury prone. Uh, Marcus Rashford isn't a striker. He plays much, much better off the left wing. Um we've seen Anthony is still struggling within the Premier League at the moment. So is the man Harry Kane? That is of course the main topic of conversation. Is Harry Kane the man to save Man United? And will he leave Spurs? Let's break this down. First of all, Man United I think to Harry Kane is an attractive opportunity. Uh traditional top four club wins we win titles. Um uh, we we Spurs don't win any. Um, so I imagine Man United looks good he'd be offered a lot of money he'd probably be offered about 300k a week uh, I'm sure there'd be a signing bonus uh, Spurs could probably get 100 million for him 90 to, 90 to 110 million and Man United would pay that I think uh, and look he's the best striker in the Premier League You know, historically of course Haaland and his uh, record this season I get that, but historically Kane is the best Premier League striker we've had uh, since like Shearer, uh, and uh, probably better than Shearer. So uh, he's absolutely fantastic, and I'm going to make a very very funny comparison here. He put he's a bit like Veghorst. He puts the work rate in, but uh, he's different to Veghorst in the fact that he can actually score. So I think he's a great option for Man United. And and I think he's appealing to Eric Ten Hag. He puts in that work that other players won't do. We see how deep he has to drop for the, in Spurs team. But that's because the Spurs, Spurs midfield at the moment is a bit of a shambles. And Spurs is a bit of a shambles, right? So Harry Kane has to drop deep. But he likes doing that anyway. We see him do it in the England shirt, how deep he drops into our midfield. And you see him ending up playing, um, you know, around um, around Hendo. So... It's nothing that he's not used to, um, and I think Man United that that will work perfectly. Kane can drop deep and pick the ball off of Casemiro and Eriksen. That gives Bruno an opportunity to continue playing his free role, um, which is what we see now with Vukovicost. Except from the fact when Vuk gets a shot on target, uh, it isn't on target and it goes into Rosie. So uh, I think I think Kane is the man that could probably sort Man United out in the short term he's not young what is he 30 31 so you would probably get two seasons out of him I mean he's one of the best strikers ever uh, especially in the Premier League so I think you probably get two good seasons out of him um, and then he'd probably have to drop down a level or at least you know he wouldn't be starting every game at that point so I could see a three-year contract to Harry Kane uh, with an option of an extra year maybe Uh, And would I go for him? Yes, I would go for him. I'd rather Oshman because I think the youth is better and I think building that squad up from... uh, Not from the start, but but building a a younger squad is definitely our way forward. But uh, Kane is a good backup to to Oshman, of course. Um, But uh, it's going to cost us a lot of money, that's for sure. Now, let's move on to Arsenal. Can they still win the Premier League? Quite simply... Yes, I mean, they can still win the Premier League. They're only a point behind Man City. Um, But a couple of the issues here that stand out to me are they've got one less game than City. City have four games. Arsenal have three. And Arsenal can win all three of their games, Brighton, Forest and Wolves. Now, we're doing Brighton, of course, on Sunday afternoon. We'll do a watch along here live on the Beyond the Pitch Twitch channel to make sure you're following the account or... uh, following the Twitter and the Instagram, you'll never miss when I go live. Um, Look, Arsenal can win. Arsenal can win all of their games. That's obvious. Oh, just trying to turn down my music a little bit. Uh, They can win all their games. Brighton will offer the, the, the most trouble. Forest and Wolves, they walk past. And they've got Wolves at home as well on the final day, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and, and if they manage to lift the trophy, then you know, great, for, great for Arsenal. But City, Everton, Chelsea, Brighton, Brentford, beat Everton, beat Chelsea. I think they actually beat Brightford and Bright, Bright, Brighton. I think Brentford are the team that will probably offer them the most trouble. Um, Brighton are fa- and are fantastic, but there's just something about Brentford that could. I could see them drag a draw. The only issue there, of course, that is their last game of the season. that you know that could be the game for title or no title. So, do I see them beating Brentford realistically? Yes, I do. So maybe it's Brighton that off. Look, I think City need to lose a game. Uh, actually, they need to drop multiple points, don't they? Because Arsenal, Arsenal's a point behind. So if Arsenal win all three, that puts them nine points, which puts them eight points ahead. And then City need to lose one and draw one, or of course, uh, or or lose or draw two, draw two. Well, they can't win more than two games, basically. Uh. Yeah, that's right. They can't win one or two games. Do I see City dropping that many points in their last four? Everton, Chelsea, Brighton and Brentford, no chance. So I think with that extra game that gives City the opportunity. Um even if they went and lost to um even if they went and lost to Brighton, let alone draw to them, I don't see them um I don't see them losing any of those other three games. So I think that could be it for excuse me. I think that could be it for, um, I think, Arsenal. It's a shame, really, uh, uh, as a United fan. There's a lot of debate, right? So other United fans would say they'd rather City win because City don't have any fans. So if they win the league, it's forgotten, right, within a week. Um, Whereas Arsenal probably go on about it for quite a while. But I guess we'll see it all unfold here on the Beyond the Pitch channel. To make sure you're following. Uh, I do think City are probably going to win the league now. I I think that's as much as Arsenal fans would like to uh, say otherwise. Doid, welcome to the chat. EOS28, good to have you here, mate. How are we? We're just talking about Arsenal's hopes uh, to win the Premier League. I think it's over, unfortunately, mate. Um, I think it's done and dusted. And stick around, EOS28, because I know you're a F1 fan. We're going to talk about the F1 uh, shortly um, but yeah I was just saying I think City with that extra game over Arsenal I don't see them dropping more than two points uh, which would keep them in the lead anyway so sorry Arsenal but I, I do believe it is over for you. Let's chat about the relegation battle quickly. Now of course we spoke about um... <laughs> C-Police to have you here as well see uh, police apparently saying that um, eos 28 is supposed to be working uh yeah it's it, it, it's it's not it is the uh coronation bank holiday monday today hence why we're doing a stream at 12:30 on a monday well it's one o'clock now but um yeah if you're listening to this podcast back on uh, whatever podcast platform um you do so make sure you come come along to one of the live streams at some point we have uh, plenty of chats um going on in the uh, live stream live chat that was a lot of fumbling of my words there, so uh, come join the chat as I repeat myself again, um, and uh, or, or just continue listening to it on um, on whichever podcast platform you decide to do so. Uh, let's talk about relegation battle. West Ham, of course, beating Man United yesterday, gives them, uh, I mean, I think that keeps them in the Premier League, 37 points, should be enough to keep them up. Southampton are most definitely relegated. Hang on, I've just dropped something that I need uh, yeah, Southampton are 100 million bazillion percent relegated. Uh, what are they on? Like 24 points or some bull crap like that? They are on 24 points. Look at that. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, Southampton gone, dusted. Bye bye. Uh, we're going to talk about um, player options uh, and some sort of relocations of some of their biggest players, James Ward Prowse in particular, uh, with a special guest uh, from podcast podcast probably next week within the next 10 days so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that podcast um, don't swear mate See Police I'll say what I bloody like mate it's Bank Holiday Monday we're going wild um, Everton, Forest, Leeds and Leicester are all at risk they are all on a variation of either 29 or well, 29 points for Everton and 30 points for Forest, Leeds and Leicester so let's have a little chat Everton have Brighton, City, Wolves and Bournemouth. Um, Forest have Southampton, Chelsea, Arsenal, Palace. Leeds have Newcastle, West Ham, Spurs. And Leicester have Fulham, Liverpool, Newcastle and West Ham. So, who do I think going down? Southampton, 100%. I think Leeds go down because they've only got three games. I think that's going to be a big, big hit for them. Uh, They don't have that game in hand that the others around them in that relegation battle have. Um, So I see Leeds losing to Newcastle, losing to West Ham and drawing with Spurs. Um, Because I think on the last day, Leeds will be like, oh my God, we need points here. Uh, And I think it'll be too little too late. Um, And I do, do see Leeds going down in 19th place. So the question is, is it going to be Leicester, Forest, or Everton that join Leeds and Southampton in relegation? Now, I have gone for Leicester. Let me know what you think in the chat, uh, EOS28 and C Police. I know that you boys are interacting and you're here. So let me know your thoughts. Who do you think gets relegated out of um, Everton, Forest, and Leicester? I am going for Leicester. I think their games seem a bit harder. Fulham, Liverpool, Newcastle, West Ham. Um, I don't see them beating any of those teams except from West Ham on the final day. So, is three points enough to keep them up? That's the question. That would put them on uh, 33 points. But you think Forest will go down, says EOS28. Forest have Southampton, Chelsea, Arsenal, Palace. I think they beat Southampton. uh, And I think they grab a point against Palace on the last day. Which I think four points will then keep them above Leicester. I think it's going to be a point difference. Um, I just, I, yeah, I think it's going to be Leicester that go down. I think their games seem more difficult for me. Um, Everton, Brighton, City, Wolves, Bournemouth. I see Everton beating Wolves and Bournemouth, um, so I think that keeps them up. Yeah, uh, Sean Dyche masterclass against Man City in the chat here. Look. I'm all for it. I'm all for City to drop points against Everton. uh, But I do believe Everton lose to Brighton and City and beat Wolves and Bournemouth. So that'll be more than enough to keep them up. their six points, leaving them on 36 points. Uh, And yeah, I think it's going to be Southampton, Leeds and Leicester that go down. So let me know your thoughts either in the chat or if you're listening back to this, reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I guess I'll do a little... I'll do a poll or something like that over the next day or so once this podcast has gone out just to hear your guys' thoughts um, and we'll we'll chat about those, uh, your guys' opinions on an upcoming podcast with a special guest, um, a returning guest, uh, he's a fan favourite, he uh, he's got serious ball knowledge um, and he'll be back to the chat relegation battle with me um, and we're also, we've got so much going on over the summer, we're going to be talking about um, the promotion promoted sides from the championship. Um, it isn't C Police EOS twenty eight. It is not C Police. It's a different man. Uh, uh, C Police uh, will be back at a different point, I'm sure, but um, it is a different returning guest. Um. Okay, well, let's move on to um, the F one. What was I going to say? Oh yeah, um, yeah. As the once the the football is finished for the summer, I don't even want to think about that yet. How depressing! Uh, plenty of podcasts where we're going to talk about um, the upcoming season. Going to be talking about transfers. We're going to be talking about the promoted sides from the Championship and how we think they'll affect the Premier League next year. Burnley in particular. Um, we can talk about manager rotations, who we think will be the first to be fired. We're going to have lots and lots of conversations throughout the summer. So don't worry at all. Uh, we're not going anywhere, that's for sure. But let's chat about F1. It was the Miami Grand Prix yesterday. We did our first ever F1 watch along. Uh, it was certainly difficult, to say the least. Um, the F1 race yesterday was not the world's most exciting race. Um, I think. The, F, uh, the F1 dominance, the Red Bull dominance is is taking a bit of the fun out of it. We're seeing a lot of good battles midfield, uh, middle of the pack. Um, and around that 10th place spot, we always see 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. There's usually a good battle with it between those four for points. Um, but the race just struggled yesterday. I, I wasn't overly gripped by it. So uh, the, the stream was certainly... Um, Slightly difficult, to say the least. It was my first one and not the world's best race. But Max won, Perez second, and Alonso third. I mean, the Aston Martin is consistently doing well. This is their fourth podium out of five races. Um, We have a week's break before we go to Imola out in Italy. So, good opportunity for the Aston Martin to work on some upgrades as we head into the European stint. Uh, And maybe we could see that Alonso... uh, uh, P1 very very soon. I I do expect us to see that um, when we're in um, when we're in Europe. EOS twenty eight says season has been mostly boring in his opinion, but hope Perez will give Verstappen a proper challenge. Well, we're going to talk about that. Literally, is one of my next points. Um, EOS twenty eight. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, I just want to talk about Max being booed by the Miami crowd yesterday as he was standing on the podium. Look, I couldn't quite figure out what it was for. Uh, It seems a little odd to me. Look, I'm not the world's biggest Max Verstappen fan. Uh, If you were here yesterday, you would have definitely spoke about that quite a lot. But I I thought the booing booing was unnecessary. Look, it's not his fault uh, that it's a boring season. Uh, I think that Max is a bit of a whiny driver. Uh, I think he complains quite a lot. Um, uh, and, And... there is some sort of dominance but lewis didn't really get that hate when he was dominating uh or maybe i just missed it because i was i'm a, i'm a lewis fan um and i sort of end started watching f1 at the end of the mercedes reign i sort of got into f1 and lewis's last championship year uh, so i've only been a fan for a few years i guess but uh i do agree the bo- the season's been a bit boring now this is one of my main points so i want to talk about the battle between perez and verstappen is it going to get tense? Now, we spoke about this last week. Oh, well, a couple of weeks ago. It's either going to spur both drivers to become absolutely phenomenal and we're going to see really, really good title challenge between the two Red Bull drivers or it's going to create tension and we're going to see battles for one 2 where we hear from the pit wall, okay, you're open to fight each other and then it's going to become Perez hearing a lot more of let Max through, Max has got the pace, uh, give Max back position, etc., etc. And I just have a sneaky feeling that Perez is going to pull the short straw in this battle because realistically, it's better for Red Bull if Max wins the championship. He is the, the bigger man out of the two of them, and he's the bigger man in F1, I'd say. I'm a bigger Perez fan. Um, Perez has a sensational following on social media. Um, Like I I guess out of the two of them, Max is probably the bigger name just because of uh, the battles he's had with Lewis. And, uh, you know, he's such a young uh, championship winner. I want Perez to win uh, the championship this year. I mean, I'd like it to be Alonso. I mean, Hamilton's in fourth. He's still not that far away. Um, A couple of wins and he's right back in the top two options um, for winning the championship. But at the moment right now, I would like it to be Perez. I'm a big fan of him. I think he's great. Um, I'm just concerned on whether it's going to cause any tension between the two drivers. Uh, And look, we've seen it before where Mercedes have made contact, where Ferraris have made contact. Um, We've seen it with Alpines before where they've made contact. They were out, uh, took each other out of the race. Or was it this year? Was it a couple of weeks ago? Um, If we see Perez or Max driving to one of the the side of one of the other, each other, um, they're not going to be happy bunnies, and that could be a real downfall. And it depends on whether Christian Horner, as team principal, can uphold that relationship. See, police, did you see the charitable efforts? Uh, I'm gonna not read that out because I'm scared of it, and my brain isn't working quick enough to check that it isn't saying anything dodgy. Um, but um, see, please, you have your own fun in the chat, that's for sure. Um, right, well, oh, let's talk about the Red Bull dominance. We know the Red Bull has incredible straight line speed, uh, but what just astounded me the most about yesterday's race was Max battled eight drivers, right? He came from ninth place to first. He battled eight drivers on hard tyres for 48 laps and still managed to become come about... Uh, what was it, 16 seconds clear before he pitted over Perez? It was, I mean, actually it might have been 18 seconds clear of Perez, I think, before he pitted, because he came out about five seconds behind on those fresh mediums. Um, at Divinity, that's a very good question that we will talk about, actually, on, I think probably on Thursday's podcast. Um, We've got a a chat asking about Greenwood, uh, Mason Greenwood. It is a topic of conversation we're going to be talking about. um, And it'll probably come up in Thursday's episode, if not the following week on Monday. Uh, So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. That's a conversation I've got on hold for the moment. Um, But yeah, I just really, really impressed with how Max managed to maintain his tyres for 48 laps um, on hards. I mean, they were going for a long stint anyway, but a lot of drivers were doing about thirty-five to forty laps, uh, and I just don't understand how Max managed to pull a, pull sixteen seconds ahead or eighteen seconds ahead of of Perez. Uh, and of course, once he switched onto those mediums, he was going to be a lot quicker, and and the race was his. It was that was obvious, um, but just yeah, insane from the Red Bull. No car is coming close um, to to beating uh, the Red Bulls, and is it? Their, I think it's their third one-two of the season as well out of five races I think is just insane really really good for the Red Bulls um, I think uh, Lewis Hamilton I think his performance was overlooked yesterday uh, he started 13th and finished 6th uh, Eos saying was expecting better from Paris he's usually strong at the street circuits he is usually strong at the street circuits and he spoke about um, his love of Baku uh, when we were at Baku last week and um, I just think I know it's. I really, really want to say Max has a better car than Perez, but I can't say it because it just isn't true. Um, but I think, I think that battle between Perez and Max is going to get to one of them. I think one of them is going to suffer uh, because the team is going to have to prioritize one over the other. That is, that is how it happens. Uh, and I imagine Perez is going to be the one that's going to be told to back off, basically. But yeah, going back to Lewis Hamilton, I thought his performance was really good yesterday. I wanted him to get driver of the day. Started thirteenth, finished sixth. Really, really big, impressive battles with the Alpines, who looked fantastic. Yes, they have to say, um, Gasly and Ocon finishing eighth and ninth respectively, and for, for Lewis to get past those both past, past both the Alpines, who are known really good well for their defensive work, uh, I think was super impressive. Uh, Lewis drove really, really well uh k mag in the Haas, of course it was their home race technically for the Haas team yesterday uh finishing 10th place picking up another point for the Haas. uh really really good k mag again second year in the house looking fantastic i'm a big big fan of him i think he's a fantastic driver and he drove amazingly yesterday to pick up points the mclarens again another week to forget fifth fifth race to forget um out of five piastri you can sort of forgive because he's a rookie. Uh, and those 18th, 19th place finishes are okay. Him down there with Logan Sargent and Nick DeVries, that's all right, they're all rookies. You're not expecting them to win, all right, especially not in their first season. That just doesn't happen. But Lando Norris, okay, he has a dreadful car, but I think he needs to be getting more out of it. Um, He is a driver that deserves, I think, a top four seat, you know, whether that be a a Ferrari, a a Mercedes, um, an Aston, or he won't get in an Alpine uh I, well Mc- the problem is, is the McLaren is a top four top five team you know, traditionally uh and the battle for fourth place should be between Alphatari Alpine and McLaren but uh it, it looks like it's going to be Alpine and Haas I guess at this point um yeah, the the McLarens need big upgrades as we go into Europe. More upgrades will come over the coming weeks, um, and hopefully, as we yeah that as we hit this big Europe stint, we can see some sort of turnaround. But uh, there's there's it, the balance between going. Like, I feel sorry for Lando because he's got a dreadful car, and Lando needs to be doing better, uh, despite the fact he's got a dreadful car. He's a fantastic driver, and if he wants one of those big seats in the future. I think most likely his biggest seat, he'll probably go to Ferrari. I imagine he takes Carlos Sainz's seat, who I could see going to Red Bull. I see Charles Leclerc staying at Ferrari. Um, and in a few years' time, when there's a rotation, I I could see probably Lando going Ferrari out of all of those teams. Uh, and he needs to start performing. He really needs to step up his game. You can blame it on the car as much as you like, but it, Lando's been poor. He's been really, really poor um christian horner spoke out about how he was surprised due, um of the lack of competition and we've spoken about um uh, red bull's dominance of course and there were plenty of upgrades implemented in baku we saw the mercedes ferrari and aston martin all pick up upgrades in baku um and their cars haven't changed that much um look you can't rebuild your car that's not allowed but you are allowed to make um, some sort of changes. There are rules and regulations behind uh, what changes can be made and what replacements to parts can be made. And we all expected the Mercedes to have a really big um, power change and improve in the straights. We didn't see that happen um, in Baku or most recently yesterday in Miami. So we're just going to have to hold out for for more upgrades throughout Europe and, and see where the Mercedes can bring their way back up to that top three battle uh, properly bring their way back up to the top three battle george russell did really well yesterday getting into fourth place but um i still want to see more from from both drivers uh and christian Horner's is right that the lack of competition is surprising uh for that top two spot. so next we've got imola we've got a, a week's break and then we go to imola and out in italy on the 21st of um, may i am hoping to do a stream that day uh, the race is at 2 o'clock. I will keep you guys updated. Of course, all of my streams, uh, well, the next three are constantly updated. You see below me here on the live stream. And for those listening, uh, of course, we're doing a stream today. We've got our next stream, Thursday the 11th at 8 p.m. live podcast. We've got a boxing pre- preview for the Misfits um, zone crossover boxing event thing on Saturday night. Uh, and a Premier League weekend preview and a review of the Champions League. Uh, so that's the podcast, 8pm Thursday, and then we've got a live watch-along for Arsenal versus Brighton, Sunday 14th, at, we'll go live about 10 past quarter past four, ahead of the 4.30 kickoff. So yeah, got a week uh, break before Imola, uh, it's a super, super fast track, I'm a big, big fan of Imola, a really nice race uh, track, a race circuit uh i believe fastest time set by lewis in 2020 it's about one minute 15 seconds um drivers are a huge fan of it there's loads of places to overtake uh fans are a big fan of the race it's super quick uh it's our um first race of europe uh, as we head into the europe stint and the race results last year were verstappen peres and norris in a mclaren um so I don't expect the McLarens to perform as well in Imola this year. I believe it was wet. Was it wet last year in Imola? Um, it must have been. I think it was, and I did know that last year the McLarens performed really well in the wet. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about. We'll give it. We'll do a proper pr- race preview uh, probably next Thursday, not this Thursday, next Thursday. Um, ahead of the F1. But uh, yeah, 63 super fast laps out in Imola. So very, very excited for that one. Right, let's move on to our final topic of conversation. The Champions League is back. Two big, big games this week, Wednesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday evening. We've got Real Madrid versus Manchester City and AC Milan versus Inter Milan. So let's break this down a little bit. Let's start off with Real Madrid versus Man City. Real Madrid, of course, the Kings of Europe. 14 Champions League titles. Um most recently beating Liverpool last year. I believe it was 1-0, was it? I think it was 1-0 uh, and of course City are yet to win the Champions League, which to me is crazy. Uh, right, six Premier League titles in since the Premier League became the Premier League. Um and is it six Premier League titles? Is it it must be more than that. City Premier League titles, Premier League titles. Um, it's six: 2011, 2013, 17, 18, 20, and 21. Uh, oh, it's not as many as I thought. For some reason, I don't know why I thought it was less than that. No, I thought it was more than that for some reason. But uh, doesn't matter. I'm more happy for City to have less titles. Um. But yeah, City yet to win the Champions League, and they were, because they were beaten by Chelsea in 2021 in the final. I think that was one nil or two nil. Um, so certainly a big game, uh, and the first game is uh, is out in Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid. All right, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk predictions at the end. We'll, we'll go through the AC Milan game first as well, but. It's going to be certainly a very, very difficult game. Um, and it is basically Benzema versus Haaland. Um, the options of uh, Camavinga, Rodrigo, Vinny Jr. Um, I just think that they might be more threatening than Haaland's... Uh, Alvarez, oh, Haaland, alvarez Mares, Grealish. I don't know. It's it's going to be huge battles all over the pitch, and I'm very, very excited. But uh, I'll do a match prediction very shortly. We're just going to talk AC Milan-Inter Milan first. So Inter Milan won it in 2010 uh, with a win over Bayern Munich. Do you think loss against Real Madrid could affect morale for Premier League? Very good question, Eos, and we're going to come back to that. Uh, We're going to talk about the effects of the league they're going to be having on teams' opportunities because there's a big, big battle going on in Serie A between AC Milan and Inter Milan. So we'll come back to your question. Inter Milan last won the Champions League in 2010 with a 2-0 win over Bayern. Um, And the split, as I just said, between AC Milan and Inter Milan in Serie A is two points, right? So the teams know each other super, super well. Um, and in the last five games, Inter Milan have won four and lost lost one. And AC Milan have won two and drawn three. So Inter Milan with a much, much better um, recent history in Serie A. And this is a topic of conversation for both the Premier League and Serie A. Is that, um, that battle between Inter Milan and AC Milan going to affect the players' energy levels? Their concentration uh, within the Champions League because they are fighting for a Champions League spot in Syria. That cha- Syria gets four Champions League spots, which I didn't know, but apparently according to FlashScores, that is that is correct. That is correct. Um, and they are, there is a battle between between the two of them for fourth spot. So you know you've got to you've got to try and secure fourth place because you can't guarantee. Or obviously, you can't guarantee you're going to win the Champions League. Um, So this sort of leads us into predictions. I just think the AC Milan-Inter Milan Milan game is going to be less exciting because both teams are fighting for that Champions League spot next year. Uh, They're fourth and fifth, respectively. Um, AC Milan love a draw at the moment. Uh, Three in their last five. Uh, I I am I'm I'm gonna go for AC Milan Inter to be a one-one draw. I think that game is on Wednesday night, uh, and I'm gonna go for City to lose two-one against Real Madrid. Um, I then expect City to lose again in the reverse fixture in Manchester. expecting to lose two-one again. Um, so I expect Real Madrid to beat City overall on aggregate. 4-2. And I think AC Milan will lose 1-0 to Inter Milan in the reverse fixture. Uh, so Inter Milan win 2-1 on aggregate. That's my pro- uh, predictions for Champions League. I just don't expect that Inter Milan-AC Milan game to be exciting. I think they're going to be so more tired than um, City and Real Madrid players just because of the battle that they're having in the, in A. Um and they're not going to be wanting to pick up injuries at this, you know, coming the end of the season. Do we, I think a loss against Real Madrid would affect morale for Premier League? So this is for City, Eos is asking about. I actually think it'd do the reverse. I think if City lost um, in Champions League, I think if they lost this week and they lost next week and they were out of the Champions League, I think City would that would spur them on to just put in absolutely 10 10 performances for their final what their final two Premier League games would it be after the Champions League is over uh and I don't see them dropping points then because that's their that's their only title hope they, they you know they've um they wouldn't be able to win the treble uh hopefully man united can stop them winning the FA Cup uh so you know their their only opportunity for a title would then be the Premier League and I think I think, yeah, I think it would, unfortunately for you, Eos, who I believe you're an Arsenal fan, would do it would do the reverse. And I think City would go on to just put on those 11 out of 10 performances. Uh, and they, they'd almost want to get their revenge back. Um, correct. Eos saying correct. Uh, oh, you said, oh, correct to the Arsenal bit. Uh, you not saying correct to my opinion. Um, never mind. Sorry, mate. I thought you just you're just saying that I was correct in general. Um, but yeah, Real Madrid... Look, look the champions 14 champions league titles i don't do i think city are ready to win a champions league yes most definitely i think this side is perfect for winning a champions league um <laughs> yes i'm an arsenal fan but take offense to your opinion yeah that's fine um do you, i presume then you think that uh it will affect their morale but um yeah i just don't think it will and I City are ready to win the Champions League and I think this side most definitely can do so but being pulled against Real Madrid it's just not going to happen I don't think I don't think you can beat Real Madrid uh, if City were against Inter Milan or AC Milan most definitely they'd find their way into the final and then in, I think in the final it's a lot more 50-50 uh, it doesn't matter who you are um, but yeah I don't see City getting past Real Madrid despite the fact it being City which is crazy really It just shows how impressive Real Madrid are. Uh, So I do expect the final to be Real Madrid versus Inter Milan, uh, which I think would be a great final, but then Real Madrid would win that. But we will continue talking about the Champions League as we go through. No watch-along this week, but I do expect to do a Champions League watch-along next Tuesday. Uh, No, next Wednesday for the City game uh, reverse fixture. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. Uh, I believe that's it. I believe we've covered everything. We've done an hour. Uh, let me just check. We have did the Premier League, went through all of that. That was fantastic. Uh, let me know your thoughts on the relegation battle. Um, reach out to me on all my social medias. They're all linked below Whether wherever you are watching or listening. Uh, the F1, we spoke about Max and his dominance with the Red Bull. Lewis's performance being overlooked. The McLaren struggling. Again, they need to make some serious changes heading into Europe. And the UCL uh, Champions League back this week. I think Real Madrid will beat City in both the legs. uh, And I believe Inter Milan will draw with AC Milan this week. Um, I think the battle between those two teams in Serie A is going to have an effect on the game. I don't expect it to be particularly exciting. Uh, I will be watching Real Madrid City, of course, on Tuesday evening. I've got work drinks, unfortunately. uh, But I should watch the game on the way home. So I'll be tweeting about it. Make sure you follow the Twitter at BeyondPitchPod. All one word. BeyondPitchPod. It's linked wherever you're watching or listening. So make sure you're following. Uh, And I think that's it. I think that's everything. Anything to say in the chat? Anyone want me to chat about anything quickly before we wrap this up? Uh, As I just promote, uh, we've got two more streams this week confirmed. Thursday night, eight o'clock live podcast boxing preview, Premier League weekend preview and a look back at the Champions League and Sunday, 4.15, we are live for the Arsenal-Brighton game. Big, big game for Arsenal. Opportunity to close down the gap again on City, um, despite City having that game in hand. Huge game uh, at home for Arsenal, I believe. Can Brighton do what Brighton do best and upset um, upset a lot of fans? And Brighton are absolutely fantastic, and if Arsenal are going to lose any of their last games, it will be this one. So, big game. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. Can they do it? They did a fantastic fantastic job yesterday against Newcastle. Arsenal did. So, um, hopefully for Arsenal fans, they do the same again. Uh, I think that's it. I think we've covered everything. Thank you very much for watching or listening. Make sure you hit that follow button. Share the stream with your friends, your family, your nan. Everyone is welcome. Uh, and as I said, we'll be back Thursday, 8pm for a fantastic live podcast. Um, boxing and football related this time around. So, keep your eyes and ears peeled. And I will... Uh, I will catch you guys then. Thank you very much for listening.